Welcome to part one of a two-part interview I do with Julie Barrett, the founder of Conservative Ladies of Washington, now expanded to Conservative Ladies of America, and the Woman'splaining podcast. I have been a guest on Julie's podcast a couple of times now, and we always have very open, forthright discussions and I always find them enjoyable. I hope you will find them enjoyable as well. So join myself and Julie as we have a hazardous conversation. Trigger warning disclaimer. Hazardous Conversations pushes rhetorical boundaries for acceptable political discourse. Listening to this program could have the uncomfortable side effect of provoking deep intellectual inquiry into foundational principles of liberty. Listener discretion is advised. Okay, and joining me now is Julie Barrett, the founder of Conservative Ladies of Washington, now expanded to Conservative Ladies of America. That is so awesome. And she's also the host of the Woman Splaining podcast. Julie, thank you so much for joining me on my podcast now that you've had me on yours so often. Well, thanks for having me. It's, it's great to be here. I love listening to you, and I always love our conversations. I do too. And the thing I really want to start with is first um, a thank you for helping push me to be more extemporaneous in my podcast. Um, I think listeners, um, the feedback that I've gotten is that it is a much better, um, more natural sounding podcast. And so I thank you for being one of the people who helped encourage me to do that. Well, I'm loving it. I've I've loved your latest episodes. I think you're doing a really great job. Thank you. I appreciate that. Now, um, you just kind of got yourself into a little bit of uh, controversy in the last 24 hours in uh, the separate country of Washington State with uh, Q13, the Fox affiliate there, who is probably just one of the outside of uh, the NBC affiliates, probably the second worst um mainstream media outlet in that state or at least on the tv side of it um can what happened can you tell us what happened with that well i think where it started was i responded to a tweet by an account i believe it's called seattle protest comms or something like that on twitter and they were posting about a drag queen story hour that's happening at a brewery in renton washington on saturday I think afternoon, evening. And I just simply responded. I said, drag is, is not for children. And of course, as you can imagine, that simple reply to their tweet uh, got me into some hot water with them and their followers. And of course they retweeted me. And so I retweeted them. And I think that's how uh, channel 13 got a hold of my information. And so the reporter contacted me on Twitter uh, yesterday evening and asked if I would um, do an interview for this story about the brewery and the protest. And I had seen. Um, well, one, one second real quick, because I think this is sure. this is key here. That's the, the setup that the reporter gave you was that it was specifically about the brewery and the protests that are being planned and this kind of back and forth. And that's that's the entire context of you gave this interview under. Correct. 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 Okay. Keep going. Uh, so then we did this over Zoom and I came on and she said, um, I, I assume you know about the shooting at 
I forget what Brewmasters pub or something like that. Um, and I said, well, I said, I saw the post on Facebook that had a picture of the window with what looked like a bullet through it. Um, but I don't know. That's all I know about it from what I know. There hasn't been, you know, there's no suspect. There's no, there's no actual crime. There's just uh, evidence of a window that's been shot at. Um, and so she, you know, she kind of just, yeah, that's, that's what I want to talk about. And I'm like, okay, well, that's, that's all I know about it. And so then uh, she asked me uh, basically my opinion on this event. And as you know, um, from doing media interviews, you know, they're looking for sound bites that they're going to use and they're not going to use everything. And so I'm always careful um, with leftist media, especially of, of what I say, because I don't want it to be misconstrued because I know they're looking for a certain thing. And so I was um, very careful. She um, asked my opinion on this event. And I just said, you know, I don't believe that drag queen entertainment is appropriate for children, especially when it's taking place in a bar. And it's not because I am against LGBTQ people. I am just pro children and want to protect children. Uh, and then so she followed that up with, well, don't you think that your opinion is causing hate and violent rhetoric towards the LGBTQ community? And so that's where I'm like, OK, now she's really trying to to trap me here. <laughs> so from that interview, this is the headline that they decided to post on on the Q13 website. Renton Brewery hosting drag queen story time shot at police investigating it as a hate crime. And what's amazing is that when you get into the story, there's absolutely nothing about the shooting other than it happened and police are investigating it. The entire rest of the story is this interview that you did. And they're they're basically making this all about this connection, supposedly, of you calling for these protests. And you're not even calling for them. You're just talking about that they're happening, right? Yeah, it was actually another group um, that I don't know if I should say the group that it is, but there is another group that was calling for for protesting. Um, we I I shared in a private Facebook group. I didn't even share it publicly just that the event was happening in our community, because I think that parents have a right to know and our community has a right to know. I never suggested anyone should go out and protest. Right. Not that so, I think that's wrong. I don't think there's anything wrong with peacefully protesting as the left does it all the time. And it's not peaceful. Right. So the way that Q13 frames it is because you disagree with drag queen story time and these protests are happening. So obviously you're encouraging these protests and these protests are what's causing the brewery to be shot at. That's the logic of this article. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's I I. I don't mean to laugh at that but how how else can we respond other than just laughing at the absurd the absurdity of of that situation so q13 you know runs this article and then what happens well i had um a few people on my public uh social media profiles not very many you know not as many as i was expecting i actually got off the the interview last night and i told my husband's and my I only have one, my husband. <laughs> <laughs> I told my husband, I'm like, make sure he, all the doors are locked tonight. The guns are ready. <laughs> you know, because I always have that um, 
that feeling of fear because these people do retaliate in a violent way if you don't agree with their opinion. Absolutely. Which, which is interesting because they're always telling us we're the violent ones, um, but they will have no problem doxing you or coming to your house. And um, so I, I did have um, a little bit of fear, but I was happy to wake up this morning and just have, you know, a handful of, um, you know, kind of your typical characters that you would expect to be um, speaking out against what I had said on this. Um, and I think I sent you um, some information on um, a couple of those people. And they are people that, you know, most of us probably wouldn't want around our, our young kids. Right. Uh, and, 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 and that's, that's really what is what it comes down to is it's not a question of whether or not this should be, you know, something that uh, people choose or not. It's we, we tend to say that this isn't something that you should be able to choose. Uh, not in a public way, not um, at a brewery. What's what's going on with that? What is there? No. I mean, is it is this one of these places where it's technically a restaurant? So kids being there is OK. It must be. Have you noticed most of these around the country are happening in establishments that are primarily for adults? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, because you wouldn't dare. Well, I mean, other than public libraries, you wouldn't dare have right. it in places where, you know, normal, regular people would go because this is not normal, regular behavior for normal, regular people. Um, right. You're not going to have drag queen story hour at the family pancake house. I don't, I don't know the way things are going. I mean, yeah. in Western Washington, you might. I mean, <laughs> that wouldn't be unheard of here. Well, no. So the person who responded to you, they they did mention something interesting to me. Um, this idea that they're now saying, oh, well you your side's all about parental choice why are you trying to stop you know shouldn't this be a parental choice thing don't try to shut down the event let people let parents choose whether or not to bring their kids to it and to me that struck me as a as a classic example of what the left likes to do they like to poke they like to prod they like to provoke and they like to get our side conservatives to react in a way that seems contrary to our own ethos, to our own values. Um, and when they do, when they're successful at that, they play the wounded duck. They play the, you know, the shameless victim of, Oh, look, they're, they're ganging up on us. They're, they're hypocrites. They hate us. And they're trying to destroy us. And it's like, well, no, you're doing a sick behavior. And we're saying that that's not a good thing to do. Because our argument is that, yes, parents should have a lot of choice. They shouldn't have the choice to bring their child to a drag queen strip show. They shouldn't have the choice to bring their child to a bar and get them liquored up. That's that's a fundamental agreement that all parents should have, is that you shouldn't do that to your kids. You sh And you shouldn't have the freedom to, because that's not freedom as we define it. That's okay. abuse as any so sane normal person def defines it so it just struck me as as a classic example of how the left likes to to turn the narrative every opportunity they get yeah you know it was interesting watching uh channel 13 last night because i don't i don't watch any mainstream news um and so i had it on because i knew that this story was coming and I, I wanted to see how it how it played out and they did a story on uh, crime, the uprise, uptick in crime, uh, specifically in Gig Harbor, Washington. And uh, 
they had the the chief of police was was interviewed and he was talking about the legislation from 2021 that had really impaired their ability to um you know monitor crime and you know police pursuits and all of those things that they can no longer do their hands are really tied and it was interesting to see the reporter and um the the anchors of the the newscast really um steering away from what the chief of police was saying about the laws um, and trying to to really shift the narrative. It was just it was really um, enlightening and eye opening to to watch this uh, newscast last night because it gave me you know a real sense of how um, the masses that that don't really get it that don't get the indoctrination that's you know and, and the agenda that's going on um, you know it's this is what they're seeing. And so they don't, you know, they don't have a diversity in their news sources. Right. And so that that's kind of a good transition to uh, the topic that I wanted to really get into with you is how are we going to effectively change the direction things are going? Um, when you have so many people who do have one news source or they have one um, version of news would be a good way to put it, um, who appear to be so apathetic uh, in their political and paying attention to things political, yet become so aroused by cause, uh, social justice causes and everything like that through media manipulation. So, you know, they, they get they, they don't pay attention to politics, but they get whipped up by the media saying, oh, you need to pay attention to this cause over here which then produces a political effect. How are we going to effectively push back against that? That's a really good question. And in places like Washington, I think it, I think it's really hard, you know, as you and I have talked about many times, you know, a huge uh, portion of the right or the Republican Party or whatever you want to call it um, are really have moderate, um, even left leaning views. And so when, you know, a huge portion of your team is scoring goals for the other side, you can't win, right? right? We can't even, we can't even agree that the elections in Washington state may not be, may, might, might not be safe and secure. Well, they're definitely not. It's, it's not a question of may not be, they, they aren't. And that's I agree one their, with you. They're not, but yeah. we can't even get the other half of the party to say they might not be. Maybe, maybe right. we should look at it. You know, absolutely, we don't need to look at it safe and secure. No, um, and because many of them, based on my experience within the party, are they're true believers. You know, I, I do think that there are some people who have truly nefarious ulterior motives at, at heart. And yes, I do think J.T. Wilcox is one of those people. Um. But I do, but I think a lot of the people that support him, and I think a lot of the apparatus that supports his ilk, um, unfortunately, are true believers. They honestly believe that things aren't that bad. Um, and and what it is, it's 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 trauma. It's the the way Todd puts it. Todd Herman on his show puts it a lot. You know, it's trauma, and it's absolutely correct. Uh, these people are traumatized. If that's the case, do we just? Do like I've done and you're I think you're in the process of doing and, and we flee to all these other places. Does that does that solve anything or does that just kind of delay the inevitable? Well, that uh, brings up an interesting point. I had a conversation with um, an elected official in Florida earlier this week, and that's where you know my husband and I just bought a home and we'll be moving there 
uh, next year. And I, I'm trying to get a lay of the political landscape there because as we all know, it's vastly different from Washington state and the Republicans have control of everything. And so I'm I'm trying to, you know, start getting my feet wet and in their legislative process and figure out who all the, the characters are. And um, what uh, this person was telling me was the the difference that you'll have in Florida is your main concern is holding the Republicans accountable because you still have within the Republican Party, you still have a huge number of these establishment characters that want something different than what the conservatives want. And I don't know if you've experienced any of that in your new home, but I think that, you know, that makes a lot of sense. Like we can't expect to go to a different state that's Republican and everything is is rosy and and better. I mean, Republicans are still establishment um, people who are politicians and it's a political game. And so conservatives have to be committed to holding people accountable and holding people to doing what is best for the country and keeping our country free. I think that's that's our biggest priority, right? Yeah. And, and I've actually in my, you know, almost a year here down here now, I've observed uh, that in many ways, it's going to be more difficult to hold the line and to hold electeds to the feet to the fire, because, you know, being in a state that is so solidly red at the moment, it becomes difficult to convince people that there's a problem to convince people that things aren't the way that they're supposed to be. Also, you know, a state like Arkansas, you know, people forget, have very short memories that 30 years ago, Arkansas was Bill Clinton's home. Um, You know, it was a Democrat stronghold. And that when the trends, I was talking with one of the uh, Republican chairmen down here, and he was telling me that basically the way that it went was that a lot of the Democrats saw the writing on the wall, the trend of the state going red, and a bunch of them switched the R to their D, uh, or the D to the R. And it, uh, you know, it was a almost instantaneous overnight switch that, uh, that they just went with the flow. And now you have a bunch of people who have that little R next to their name and they win elections because they have the little R next to their name and they don't govern that way. I mean, it's not hard to look at, you know, Asa Hutchinson, who has been the governor down here, and he is not a conservative. Now, he's not as bad as a Jay Inslee. By any stretch of the imagination, but he is not a conservative. So we have this this quandary of, you know, I've been encouraging people and I know you are starting to encourage people to uh, consider, you know, leaving these places that are lost. Washington state is lost. Now, I admire the heck out of people who are choosing to stay there for various reasons to continue the fight because you do need to continue the fight. And I'm not suggesting that people choosing to stay there are stupid or wrong headed or anything like that. Um, I'm just, you know, for myself, it was about protecting my family. I could not stay in that state and feel that my family was safe, uh, either from my the perspective of my kids uh, or from the perspective of, you know, if I'm going to be an activist, I'm, I was getting death threats. I was getting targeted um, and I lost my job ultimately because of it. So it was a question of, you know, where can we go to be relatively safe while we continue the fight? That's how I looked at it. I don't know if you looked at it in somewhat the similar fashion. Yeah, for sure. I mean, obviously, we have experienced how unsafe Washington is for children and and having parental rights. Um, Our kids are, you know, our youngest kids are 16 and a half. So we're kind of on that tail end of things um, as far as, you know, parental rights anywhere at this age. 
Um, but you know, I do tell people if you have young children, it is not safe for you to raise your children in Washington state. It's just not. There are obviously a slew of other political policies that make life very uncomfortable in Washington, whether it is, you know, taxes or um, education, uh, the the gun laws, you know, the Jay Inslee and uh, Bob Ferguson, the AG here are pushing for an assault weapons ban uh, in the 2023 legislative session, whatever an assault weapon is. Uh, so, you know, and you know, they've been doing the, the gun grabbing for, for a long, long time here in Washington. And so now yeah. with, they picked up even more Democrat seats. So they're just going, you know, they're even more charged to move forward with that. So you know, just, we just see that chipping away of our rights as Americans. And, you know, the cost of housing here is insane. Uh, so we could get, you know, a real nice house in Florida with a pool in the backyard and <laughs> being close to the beach and, and uh, you know, living in a state that will allow us to have the freedoms that that we like. And, and I felt like I could actually fight there and make a difference. I don't feel like I can fight in Washington and make a difference. Right. And and that's really critical is is what impact are we having? What impact can we have? And I, you know, I, I really do think there's something to be said for being able to see tangible results. Too many times conservatives get into the fight. Maybe they haven't been in the fight for a long time, or this is the first time they're getting into the fight. Um, and they come in with a lot of piss and vinegar and they come in really enthusiastic and energized. And then they realize that the process itself is slow um, and frustrating. And we've got a whole bunch of people who, you know, on our own side that we have to fight against. And they get really discouraged, especially when they don't see results the first time around. We had a lot of PCOs who would come in uh, same time that I became a PCO back in 2018 that, um, you know, they came in and as soon as, you know, they did not see the election results that they thought that they should, uh, they said to hell with this and I'm not participating in the in the system anymore. It doesn't work. We're We're inevitably, we're just hopelessly, inevitably screwed and they check out. And I'm not saying that we have to expect to win every fight. But we do need to have signs of progress and signs of victory from time to time, I think. Yeah, and I think that includes, you know, uh, effective leadership. And if leadership is proving to be ineffective, then it needs to be changed. You know, you work at any business and if you're a project manager and you're not meeting your goals in that position, you will lose your job. But, you know, in politics, you've got these people, you know, from the, the RNC with Ronna McDaniel uh, you got people in these these top positions uh, around the country that they don't want to give up their post. They know that, and maybe they don't know um, because they don't seem to be very good at self-reflection, but they're ineffective leaders and the results show that, but there's no, and then there's no change. Right. Uh, so I think people get frustrated with that. They don't want to work with leaders who can't lead. Right. Or won't lead or won't acknowledge what the problems are. Or, right. I mean, you, you can go down the list. You know, I've worked with Caleb at the Washington State GOP. Um, I like him. He's a great guy. Nothing but really good, positive things to say about him as a person. But his leadership of the Washington GOP has been an objective failure. Because as I've been told many, many, many times, the purpose of the party is to elect Republicans. 
which they don't do. They haven't been doing that. They've been losing seats. They've been losing Republicans. In his tenure there, they lost the House, the legislative House. They have now lost congressional seats. And they're failing to put up, and well, they lost the Secretary of State's office, the last statewide held Republican uh, office on the West Coast. Now we can argue about whether Kim Wyman was really right. <laughs> All right. Um, but, but, you know, his job is objectively a failure and he's running for re-election again in this reorg. And, you know, I, I sit there and go, well, by what measure, Caleb, should, should we consider you to be an effective leader? Now, in his mind, one of his big justifications is, that, well, now he's one of the senior vice chairs of the national committee. And that's and he's he's brought money from the national scene into the state party, and he's brought all of this attention to the you know on the national scene to Washington State for the Senate races and everything like that. And it's like, so wait a second, is your job to be a fundraiser or is your job to elect Republicans? What what is your job? And and this is where you know you corner most of the the establishment types, uh, especially within the party apparatus, and they will they'll they'll seesaw on this. They'll say on one hand, well, our job is to elect Republicans, and then when they stop where they fail to elect Republicans, they say, oh well, our job is to fundraise so that we can elect Republicans. And it's like, wait a second, you, you what are you talking about? Because you, you, you just said for one second is to elect Republicans, then you said your job is to fundraise. Which one is it? Now, I get it. You can't have one without the other. But when your entire philosophy is built around fundraising and not actually winning the election, that that seems to be a problem. Yeah. And I think we saw how, you know, that how that worked in this last election, you know, with I think the Senate candidate you're referring to is Tiffany Smiley. And so the Washington state elections really was it revolved around Tiffany Smiley. And um, she was at every single event. It was like it was like she was the only candidate being elected, you know, on the ballot. Um, and and she wasn't, you know, and we did lose um, on the Republican side. We lost um, seats in both the House and the Senate. Uh, yep. And we were already, you know, in the minority. So we couldn't afford to lose any seats. And we lost um, some we lost some conservative seats to rhino Republicans. Yeah. Uh, Robert Sutherland got ousted by an establishment type. Now, has anyone confirmed? And for people who don't know that the Robert Sutherland was a very conservative, very outspoken conservative, and he was targeted by the establishment types in the party time and time again. And they finally, they finally took him out this time by getting a complete rhino to run a rhino who was, he was a council member, wasn't he? He in the, still the is the, a Snohomish County councilman. He's going to have both jobs. How is he so, going to do that? So, so he's, he's not going to give the other one up. That was going to be my question okay. is, is, is he going to, going to give one up if he wins? So now you've got someone who's, who's grifting from two sides of the coin, yep. <laughs> but you know, us, us crazy conservatives, we're the ones who don't know how to, don't know how to govern. We're the ones who are crazy and, and everything. So Exactly. And that wraps up part one of this two-part interview with Julie. In part two, we are going to get a little bit more into the things that we see fundamentally wrong with our country and the things that divide us and the challenges that we face to overcome that divide. So 
In the meantime, please like this episode, share it with anyone that you think might also enjoy it. And as always, God be with you all in all that you do. And remember, keep the faith and keep up the fight.